This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Hello again, everybody. I'm Adam Ritz. This is the Adam Ritz Show. Jay Baker on the phone with me. Hi, Jay. How's it going? I am doing extremely well. I hope you are, too. I'm good. We've sailed into a new month. This is uh, our first show of August. I like to call this Back to School Month. I know your kids are grown up and gone. Mine are, too. Oh, well, I have one left in college, so I guess uh, we do have a little bit of back to school. But it's not like I have to go out and buy a bunch of pencils, erasers, and and folders uh, like I used to. You remember those days, don't you? Oh, yeah. Remember the famous Trapper Keeper, which has gone down (laughs) in infamy. My daughter always used to have the most, you know, idealized version of the Trapper Keeper. And yes, those days have long since passed. Uh, Did you you have one of those, Trapper Keeper, or was that, uh, did that miss your generation? That missed my generation. I think we had the same equipment that Fred Flintstone had at our school. (laughs) You had a stone tablet, uh, right? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. My trapper keeper, now that I didn't even think of this until you just brought up those words. Uh, And Gen Gen Xers will remember this. You could take your trapper keeper and there was sort of a plastic coating around the, the cardboard that held it together, that gave it some substance. And if you chewed off or cut the corner of the plastic covering, you could, you could inflate it. You could put your lips on the corner (laughs) and blow it up (laughs) and inflate your trapper keeper and and have a pillow at your desk. That's so funny. So we're learning, you know, maybe a young Adam wasn't that uh, academic, uh, (laughs) thus and hence the radio career. So if, yeah, if you I, find your children blowing up their uh, their folders and inflating them, uh, maybe get a tutor so they don't go into radio. <laughs> yeah. uh, back to school month. So, you know, there's a lot of charities and foundation associated with um, back to school month. Backpacks. You know, we've done reports on backpack uh, giveaways, backpack um, drop-offs, uh, especially, you know, sometimes the backpack is even full of, of art and school supplies. So the three tips uh, to think about as you're a parent with a young one and back to school, they talk about school supplies. Uh, They talk about health and hunger. So, uh, you know, a young child can only be productive and effective in school when they're healthy and fed. You know, if there's hunger issues, health issues, it's really hard to focus on your studies and and get a good education. And then the third point uh, is safety. And uh, we know school safety has become the forefront of a lot of news stories across the country. Um, You know, I can't imagine. I remember when I was a kid doing the tornado uh, preparedness drills. You remember the tornado drills? You just sit in the hallway with your head between your legs. Uh, Now kids today have to go through, you know, emergency evacuation training. I don't know if they actually call it school shooting training because that's such a scary term. But uh, I do have friends that have young ones and uh, you know what? I'll have to. I'll check in with a, a few of them to find out what they actually call this training. Uh, and we should do a whole show on that uh, in the future once school gets in session. 
uh, to bring up the importance of that. But school supplies, health and hunger, and safety are the three things uh, that a lot of people uh, worry about with back to school because a lot of times those things aren't prevalent uh, in your family or in your uh, neighborhood. And I wanted to point out one uh, foundation or .org in particular that works with uh, families uh, families in need during this time of year back to school. It's an organization called Feed the Children. And uh, obviously their goal is to end childhood hunger, but their work more recently has expanded to include strategies to empower at-risk families to better face today's challenges and realize that more stable lives secure long-term benefits for their children. Uh, Feed the Children believes in education. Uh, It's the best way to help break the cycle of poverty. Uh, Without the proper tools for learning, students face overwhelming odds. So the more hassles and, and speed bumps and, you know, hoops you can remove from in front of a child, the, the easier it will be for them to learn and advance their, uh, you know, their career downriver. Um, Feed the Children supports students by inviting teachers to shop for free classroom supplies and books at its teacher store locations across the country. These stores benefit more than a half a million students in the United States every school year. Uh, we'll put a link to their website on ours where you can uh, learn more and donate. It's easy to remember. It's feedthechildren.org. Feedthechildren.org. We'll put a link to that website on ours, adamritzshow.com. So uh, welcome to back to school season. Uh, A lot of parents love this time of year. It's been a long summer when your rugrats are bugging you every day. What are we going to do? 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 Uh, and now they're back in school, and you can take them to the bus stop and then go back to your couch and relax. <laughs> no, you're absolutely correct. There was a large gathering at the most popular bus stop in our neighborhood as all the parents brought their kids out, you know, first day of school uh, that happened this week. And I did enjoy because uh, I was uh, running an errand with my spouse, and I said, I'll need some explanation about barefoot dad. And my wife just looked at me and she said, no, barefoot dad is just glad that her, that his kids are going back to school. <laughs> I thought that was great. They're in the midst of the big school bus and all the kids gathered around. There's a dad with no shoes on walking with his cup of coffee. <laughs> and, you know, as you said, this is the time of year where you see more of that. So it was just funny to see a guy, an adult, yeah. walking around with no shoes on. But he was as glad as anyone that school had started. Well, I bet Barefoot Dad uh, took a personal day on that day. Maybe he worked from home, the, the quote-unquote WFH, work from home. Uh, yeah. But but if you he might have had to get up uh, an extra hour early. To make sure his kids were ready, or it's the opposite. If he was barefoot, then maybe they woke up with ten minutes to spare, and it was just put your clothes on, don't brush your teeth, bedhead and all, get out to the bus stop. I've had those mornings. I just love, yeah. You meet barefoot dad. I mean, and like you said, it's that time of year. It, it just made me chuckle. And as you said, 
certainly not only that, but then be very aware as you drive into work uh, from this state forward. Be really aware of kids and bus stops and all the rest of that. You know, that's a fantastic point, Jay, because you, you get used to not seeing kids at seven o'clock in the morning in your neighborhood. Uh, and you drive to work, maybe you're late and you're driving faster than you should through the neighborhood. And from this point forward, back to school means there's going to be little kids that are yes. not used to navigating uh, 3,000 pound vehicles. You know, maybe they, every kid has been taught look both ways before you cross the street, but it's 7 a.m. with barely any sleep and uh, they're just worried about missing the bus. They could run across the street. And that's, not the day you want to be flying through your neighborhood at 40 miles an hour because you're going to be late for a meeting. Uh, no, that's you're a absolutely great, correct. Great point, Jay. Thank you. Yeah, so be aware of that. You know, uh, we always try to highlight when celebrities step forward and use their celebrity for the greatest for the greater good. This is very interesting. This just occurred recently. The Battle for Vegas Celebrity Softball Tournament raised $200,000 for local nonprofits in the city of Las Vegas. And Las Vegas is interesting. You know, obviously, it's a, a city that has some notoriety with the gambling and everything. But they have a couple of amazing sport teams, one of them the Golden Knights in the NHL. And the Golden Knights have been extremely successful. And they now have the Las Vegas Raiders. So these two entities said, let's put together a Golden Knights all-star team and a Raiders all-star team, play some softball, raise some money for kids. And Riley Smith of the Knights versus Josh Jacobs, who's a running back for the Raiders, uh, both put together a couple of teams. A lot of people came out and $200,000 for local nonprofits. And we've always talked about uh, there are opportunities inside every community to put these types of events together. They're, fu they're so fun to go to as a fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for something to do and – you know, football season's a few weeks or months away, and you're like, God, I love the Raiders. And But you hear about a Raiders celebrity softball game that you can go to, and your admission ticket or your price of a hot dog or popcorn is going to go to help uh, local charities. Why wouldn't you do that? Oh, absolutely. And especially if you have two amazing sports franchises, my guess is getting the NHL players to play a little softball, it's all fun for them. All right, I do have to admit, though, that uh, I, I'm a sports fan, I'm a sports guy, and I had no idea that there was A, an NHL hockey team in Las Vegas, uh, or B, that they were called the Golden Knights. If you told me the Golden Knights played the Raiders, I would think you were talking about one of the fake teams from the movie Any Given Sunday. Yes. Well, and here, here's something that's ironic. I have a friend who's Mr. NHL, and the Golden Knights are one of the most successful franchises in the NHL. So like you and I know, you'd think, okay, Las Vegas, they're not known for anything outside of blackjack. But here's one of the greatest NHL teams in the league. And they put together a celebrity softball team. So, yes, I'm with you. How cool, though. That, that would have been a cool thing uh, to, to go you know, watch and uh, take part in. 
Uh, hopefully, they make this an annual event. That would be, I don't know why they wouldn't if they raised 200, 200 Yeah, that's been the talk that this will become an annual event. The Raiders, I don't think have been, you know how time flies. I think the Raiders have only been in Las Vegas now for a couple of seasons. So they're actually the newcomers, believe it or not. Yeah, it's only been two seasons. I think you're right. Now, here's an interesting story. You know, you and I both know, you always equate things to being struck by lightning. You know, your chances of winning uh, the Super Powerball or this, that, or the other, uh, you have the same chance of being struck by lightning. Thankfully, most people don't have a high chance of being struck by lightning, but uh, most people are concerned about sharks because they're so prominent. There's a shark week. Can't remember which network it is, but people are extremely afraid of sharks. Believe it or not, there's been an uptick in attacks from sharks in New York waters. I, I heard about that up near the Northeast. They don't usually, yes. uh, there's not a lot of shark activity up there, but the, here this past uh, four or five months, there's been a lot of shark attacks. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are amateur drone pilots that have shot some footage of these sharks just off the coast of Long Island, and much of that footage has gone viral. Uh, and part of the problem is they have detected that a number of great white sharks are much closer to shore than usual, possibly due to warming water. So there you go. You know, I don't know about you. I'm always a little squeamish about swimming in the ocean. I recently saw, <laughs> and here's why I'm pausing here. I, I saw the most off-putting video about three days ago. Uh, Melissa showed this to me. It was a, a, like a blue humpback whale that swallowed two kayakers. Did you see that wow. video? It went viral. I did not, but yeah, and, that would be pretty scary. And the video has, first of all, the two kayakers are fine. They lived, the, the whale spit them out because they're not food. Uh, the whale right. was swimming up to the surface with its mouth agape to scoop in a school of fish. And the school of fish on the other side of the school of fish were two kayakers. And here's the amazing thing about this footage. A third party filmed it, so there's a landscape of the horizon of the water, and all of a sudden two kayakers come into the frame, and then a giant mouth just scoops them up, and they go they go inside the mouth of the whale, and you're like, wow. it's devastating to watch, because you're like, these two people are gone now. Uh, and then they also have the footage from a GoPro cam on the helmet of one of the kayakers, so she's just kayaking along and all of a sudden there's a gush of water and it goes dark i mean it could you oh, imagine goodness. the the terror no. if you were just kayaking in a giant mouth encapsulated you and and thankfully didn't swallow them uh the right. video obviously halted at the panic moment but the end of the story is that the whale you know figured out they weren't food and just spit them out and they they swam to the surface they're totally fine so i don't want to scare uh, any of yeah. our listeners by telling some horror story uh it was it's just it makes you think there's shark week there's shark attacks whales are swallowing people what is going on <laughs> uh, well you know we've always said you know have a healthy awareness of uh you know animals around you and we've 
dealt with everything from uh, what was it, the murder hornets to, you know, all kinds of different creatures. So, yeah, you must be aware when you're in the water with these large creatures that uh, you're part of the food chain. But, you know, thankfully, this had a happy ending. Maybe uh, you, you Google what flavor whales uh, detest. And let's just say it's cayenne pepper. So before you go kayaking, you just you rub yourself and the kayak down with cayenne pepper just to be oh, just yeah. to take an just extra to precaution. Be safe. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a, a great story. A subway super fan will now get subs for life. He got a 12 inch by 12 inch tattoo on his back. Subway apparently said they were looking for someone that would get this prominent Subway tattoo on their back. They have a new thing called the Subway Series. It has a logo. They invited a number of fans to Las Vegas, and somebody agreed to have a 12-inch by 12-inch tattoo uh, on their back to get their favorite food for the rest of their life. Not a chance. I would not do it. Would you? (laughs) Well, I don't think I would, uh, but I do admire sometimes the uh, the pluckiness of other people because uh, while there are certain foods I enjoy, like if you said free pizza for life, I would think about a tattoo for that. But, you know, you do have to realize, no, that's going to be kind of a permanent part of your anatomy for the rest of your life. That's a long time, the rest of your life. Well, hopefully it's a long time. The rest of your life, yes. Uh, How terrible if you get the tattoo, they make the announcement, and then three days later they shut down the restaurant. Yeah, they say (laughs) wah-wah. We're out of business. No more Subway for you, mister. Uh, Pizza, that's Uh, interesting. I might do it for pizza. Um, I would maybe think about it for pizza. Custard? I'm a big custard fan. I I might get a 12 by 12 tattoo of custard on my back. Um, Now, have you ever done this? Uh, You know, food to go has become so popular during the pandemic and then certainly past the pandemic. And there's more than several different ways now to get food food to go brought right to your house. Uh, There is a particular pizza place near our house. But lately, the delivery service has become somewhat unreliable. And my wife has said, well, we probably won't get that pizza anymore. I was so disappointed. (laughs) I know this is a weird venue to to voice your disappointment. But along the lines of pizza for life with a tattoo, I'm thinking this pizza place leaving my life is more than I can bear. That is devastating. I I will pray for you. I will pray for you and your wife, Jay. You know, what can I do to convince her? Please respond to adamritz.com. <laughs> yes, that's right. Now, you'll love this. A charity auction is going to be happening soon as 007 returns to Christie's Auction House. Believe it or not, the James Bond franchise is 60 years old. Yeah, I, I can believe that. I mean, it was, uh, we're talking the guy before, the one episode before Sean Connery, uh, Her, Ma- Her Majesty's Secret Service. I mean, that was Correct. the early 60s, right? Yeah, and that was George Lazenby. He was the first James Bond before Sean Connery. Mm hmm. What, what, how did he, he did, I've seen that movie. It was, he was pretty good. Why didn't he, he make any He was very more? good. 
You know, that's actually a good question, and I used to know the definitive answer for that. I don't know if it was George's decision or the decision of the uh, people that own the franchise. As you know, the most intriguing name in show business, the Broccoli family, owns that franchise. And they've been the shot callers from day one of James Bond. Now to you, I want to hear about this uh, charity auction. But uh, before we get into that, who do you when when you get asked who is James Bond? Who's your favorite James Bond? Who is it? I, I'm going to guess it's Sean Connery because that's when you were. Yeah, a kid. I'm kind of old school. I like Sean Connery a lot, but you know, uh, I enjoyed Pierce Brosnan. Pierce was I good. Pierce, yeah, Pierce kind of brought that more uh refined version of bond to the screen daniel craig is a is a great one uh i will say oh, though yeah. remember who you're talking to i'm a kid uh i'm a gen xer and i'm a child of the late 70s and 80s and to me my favorite james bond without question far and above is roger moore and I, I thought that you might say that because <laughs> Roger Moore was another one of those guys. He was more refined, you know, than Sean. Sean would just blow stuff up, you know, uh, like you said, your Bond would talk people out of stuff. Well, I think if you talk to James Bond experts and or just movie cinematic critics, Roger Moore is probably the least favorite of all of them. But to a kid that was, uh, you know, 13 when Moonraker came out, and Roger Moore's fighting Jaws in space. There's no comparison. Roger Moore is the best James Bond out there. That's just my two well, cents. Now, you probably have heard, you know, James Bond has come under a little bit of fire because it's always been portrayed by a male and everything. Mm -hmm. Would you be open to, let's say, a female James Bond, or would that be outside what you'd be comfy with? Well, I'd, I'm, I'd be fantastic if, if there was a, another a secret agent who was female that was better than James Bond. But to yeah. me, James Bond, 007 James Bond, is it's a character, you know, and I, I'm having, uh, uh, I guess, a a slight issue with uh, with Chris Evans in Captain America. You know, there's he is no longer Captain America now. A different uh, actor is Captain right. America, and I'm to me, it's like, why not just have that actor be a different character? I, I don't, uh, I don't well, like when different difficult. actors play, or, or not, not even actors, not actors, but when different when they start changing characters. There's just something right. weird about that to me. Well, as you said, these are iconic roles, so it always begats controversy, and we don't want it to get too controversial. But uh, I thought this was great. 60 years of James Bond, they're going to have 60 lots from all of the 25 films. So there'll be collectible items from all the films, including an Aston Martin stunt car that they think is going to go for about $2 million. And of oh. course that stunt car was made famous during the Sean Connery era. Uh, and then that was brought back during the Daniel Craig era. That is, I know the car, the silver one, two door sporty. Very cool. Oh yeah. Oh, it's very cool. Uh, this will be tied into a number of British charity events. So yes, if you look up Christie's auction house, you too may be able to bid online for some James Bond memorabilia. Uh, and remember, it's always shaken, not stirred. That's right. And um, and do not discount um, 
uh, I can't think of his name right now. I'm on the spot. The uh, the actor that right before Pierce Brosnan, there were two James Bond movies. One was called The Living Daylights. And yeah, was that Daltry? Timothy, Dalton? that's it. Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton. Timothy D- Dalton. Dalton. There we go. Do yeah. not discount Timothy Dalton because those no, those two movies were too. pretty good. There were a lot of good stunts in those movies too, and oh, uh, and he had a, a very suave mustache. So don't <laughs> don't did. discount Timothy Dalton. I, I want to see. I got to see the list. All twenty five movies. Uh, the car is amazing. It could go for two million dollars. I want to know if there's anything in my price range. What what could I get for ten or fifteen bucks? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, the two million dollar car might be off the list. I want you, a bid on Timothy know. Dalton's mustache from yeah in the Living Daylights. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, here on the Adam Rich Show, we never shy away from controversy, and we want to bring you in on the ground floor of a potential conspiracy theory, but I think, Adam, I know conspiracy theory might make you feel uncomfortable, but when you hear about this one, I want you to weigh in the Klondike company, the famous ice cream company that makes the Klondike bar, announced about two weeks ago that they would be discontinuing the Choco Taco. I did hear that. Yes, and the reason why I say this might be a conspiracy theory is, are they discontinuing it? Yes or no. Insiders are saying that uh, Klondike is doing this merely to improve the popularity of this great ice cream treat. Others are saying, no, it is as it is, but you'll love this. Right now, online sellers are making a fortune over the sale of Choco Taco. So you can go right now to eBay and bid on boxes of the Choco Taco. That is a, a weird item to bid on it eBay. Uh, because you better have... How the, would you ship it? Yeah, That's what I was going to say. You better have that dry ice uh, proportioned perfectly. Because uh, I've, I've ordered ice cream before, and I got home... Uh, it was delivered on a day where I wasn't home, and when I got home, it was soup on my yes. on, on my stoop. It was absolute soup. Um, that's a tough tough item to order. When was the last time you had a Choco Taco? I, I think I've it's, had one. It, it was probably twenty five years ago. It's not like yeah, uh, it's it's been a while. It, it's a popular treat. I mean, it's very tasty, but. Per Klondike's press release, they said this is. Uh, they're because of some supply chain issues. They want to be able to provide all their high quality products and they're going to have to discontinue this one. So, yeah, I probably haven't had one for probably 10 years, maybe. I smell a PR stunt. Uh, you know, well, you, you that's dis- exactly you what discontinue, I'm at. You discontinue the Mexican pizza at Taco Bell. You bring it back and the sales are through the roof. You, you Absolutely. know, think about the whole uh, New Coke versus Classic Coke. I mean, when they brought back New Coke, it was the number one soda and has been since. Uh, yes. I smell a PR stunt. Well, it's funny you said that because uh, Taco Bell's press release was, we're bringing back the Mexican pizza because of slumping sales. Now, you and I know that Taco Bell has never suffered slumping sales. Our investigators have revealed that's just not possible. 
Yeah, no, I have uh, I have a member of, of our crack team that uh, invests uh, <laughs> breakfast and or lunch every day of the week at a Taco Bell. And, That's uh, funny you said He's that. actually our producer, so when he puts together the show, he's going to know we're talking about him. Thanks a lot, Taylor. <laughs> he absolutely will know. <laughs> yes. So, yes, so Chaco Taco, put the question mark behind it. Is it a publicity? Excuse me. Is it a publicity? Well, how can I? I'm not saying it. A publicity stunt, or is it a for real event? We'll find out. It could be sad for the people that love the Chaco Taco. Uh, they are good. Oh, absolutely. I, I, now I want one. See, it worked. The stunt worked. See, the stunt is working. Hey, art lovers are not sure what to make of an art piece called The Pickle. This is happening in Australia at the Let Gallery. There's a $6,277 price tag for a single McDonald's pickle that is on a white ceiling. <laughs> what? <laughs> Somebody just threw their pickle up on the ceiling? They threw the pickle on the ceiling. And it's worth $6,000? pickle. It's on sale for $6,000. Some art critics are claiming it's genius, and some art critics are saying it's ludicrous. And some art critics are saying it's delicious. I know I've I've enjoyed a pickle or two, and I I hate to admit this, but in my youth I have thrown a pickle or two onto a ceiling. They do stick. Oh, there you go. Uh, and this so, is not advice for our young listeners to take their pickle and throw them up like a frisbee to stick on the ceiling. But if you do it, there's a chance it could be worth six thousand dollars. That's especially right. in Australia. All right, Jay, interesting stuff. I, I don't know how uh, we're going to top the pickle story uh, next week, but uh, we're going to give it a shot. If you'd like to hear this episode or any of our past episodes, they are in podcast form on our website, adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit adamritzshow.com. 